Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I am speaking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of CD2 here in New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, big show today. Lots to talk about. Big show. We've got uh, Representative Jim Townsend. He's the minority leader in the House of Representatives there in Santa Fe. We're going to have him on these first two segments talking about the governor's spending plan. The way she's going to go up 20% in two years. That's a crazy increase for government. You're not going to see that much better government out there. He's going to talk a little bit about the possibility of losing some of the oil and gas activities and our budget decreasing. So a rainy day fund. Uh, some talk about a budget surplus. The governor wants to give away free college to people. Recreational marijuana, he'll talk about that. The red flag bill. Democrat senator wants to ban fracking. And so I think that uh, we need to advertise for them that they're going to ban the thing that creates 45% of the state's budget. And then pension reform will be talking about that. This is just a chock full show. Let's jump right into it with House of Representatives Minority Leader Jim Townsend. We're going to put him in the position of Speaker of the House in this next session when we turn New Mexico red. Jim, thanks for being with us today. You have your 60-day session in the first year after the election, and then in the second year, you have 30-day session. So tell us the differences between the 30- and the 60-day session. You bet, Steve, and thank you. The 60-day session is just a, it's just a free-for-all. Almost anything goes. Uh, any legislator can bring up almost any idea that, that he or she believes is important for the body to discuss. But the 30-day session is constitutionally mandated that we pass a budget. It's about fiscal responsibility and looking forward and setting a budget that protects our children's futures and just sets up the state for a win. Well, now, uh, speaking of the budget, in the last session, you had a 12.5% increase. I, we In last week, we visited with Jason Harper. He's a representative from the Rio Rancho area. And uh, he told us that last year that the Democrats had a 12.5% increase in the budget. And this year, they're asking for another 8%. So we're, that's another $500 million or $700 million. Talk yeah. a little bit about the amount of money that's available and what the governor is proposing to spend that extra money on. Jason is the patriarch of watching the tax and the budget issues in the House. He does a wonderful job. What has been proposed by the governor, as you mentioned, is a, another 8.5% increase. And that's going to mean that over two years, this governor is going to increase recurring spending by just over 20%. Now, 20% is a lot. And, you know, I guess we should take her at her word because she was quoted the other day, I believe it was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, or maybe it was the Albuquerque Journal, that this governor never quit spending. And I think she's spot on. I think that's one thing we can agree on. She's not going to quit spending. But in an essence, she is starting a, a spending spree toward $325 million for um, free college for everyone. She's starting down the list where almost every department is doing double-digit type increases of one and the other. One thing that we have agreed upon, she has begun to address the issue of having our retirements in PERA and ERA addressed. Those currently are underfunded by about $14 billion, and she has taken a small step in toward addressing those. But over and over, this governor has shown a propensity 
just to spend money on any and everything that she can think of. You said that the retirements of state employees, PERA is the public employee retirement, ERA are the teachers, and you're telling me that we're $14 billion in the hole there, and yet people continue to get their checks every week. How does that work? Well, it's just a cash flow problem. Right now, what that unfunded liability is, is that if those people that were working today started drawing their retirement, there would not be enough money in those accounts for all of them to retire at the same time. And so yeah. that issue is is one that the state must address. You asked for- me a few minutes ago to talk specifically about those recurring spendings. And I will tell you that each one of those issues, out of that eight and a half, eight point four percent increase that's being proposed by the governor, you know, having a cash reserve of twenty five to thirty percent is a bare minimum because you have to remember about forty five percent of the total state revenue comes from oil and gas. So you must address the issue of that shortfall if it's met in that cyclic industry. So the House Republicans will talk about a reserve in excess of 30%, because even at 25%, that's uh, $1.8 or $1.9 billion. And in our current budget, that's about a 90-day run. So 30% sounds like a lot, but when you're losing 45% of that, or if you should lose 45% of that, it's really a tough row. Wow, you're laying out for our listeners a pretty grim picture. Number one, that you have $14 billion shortfall just in our retirement accounts. Our budget every year is $7 billion. So what the shortfall is, is you'd have to take two years of our full budget to make the retirement accounts whole. The taxpayers are going to end up paying the bill on that. This state is very friendly to to state pensioners, and people are making 75%, maybe even up to 85% of their active duty pay, that is the, the pay they're making when they're working. They get almost the same amount when they're retired, and the shortfall is double our budget. Then you're talking about the lack of reserves. Fiscally, we're in uh, a very, very deep problem. Now you're talking about things like the rail runner. How much do we owe on the rail runner and how much did we pay last year on it? Well, the rail runner, I believe, if my memory's right, cost the state about $2 million a month. You know, it's been a couple of years since I was on appropriations, but if my memory's correct, Steve, right now those tickets on the rail runner, if they were funded at par, those tickets would be about 25 20 to 25 dollars a piece for a one-way run um there is no we, we never have paid a dime um of paying off the principal on the rail runner we borrowed uh, money in two tranches uh, under richardson to build that rail runner and last year we refinanced that I think that debt load right now is in the $700, $750 million range, and we've never paid a dime of that. We just keep 
kicking that can down the road in front of us. Wow. Yeah, there are lots of people out there who are having their homes repossessed that are in better financial condition than the state. $750 million to accommodate. How many people would you guess ride that thing? I watch it. Uh, sometimes I pull up beside the station in Berlin or wherever, and I see how many people are on it. It's not like it's chock full. It's That's for a very limited number of people. No. We could have bought limousines and given everybody limousine rides instead of riding on the rail runner at far less cost, $2 million a month. Nope. I mean, uh, you just can't make these numbers up. Again, these are the things we're talking about. We'll get back to the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce, talking with Representative Jim Townsend from Artesia in just a moment on Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil slash employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. We continue our conversation now with Steve Pierce, chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, and Representative Jim Townsend from Artesia. One of the key things that you all think the Democrats are going to bring up, and what are your plans to fight those things? I've heard something about the red flag law, heard something about legalizing recreational marijuana. Tell us uh, what is going to come up and what your plans are as uh, the minority leader there in Santa Fe. You bet. I think you have hit two of the hot topics of the free college, legalizing marijuana, and the attack and infringement on law-abiding Second Amendment rights is certainly the three hot topics. What we will continue to do is on the marijuana, we believe it's a huge issue, does not deserve to be in a 30-day session where we have limited time to address it. And it's important to note that the governor puts an item like legalizing marijuana on on her call. She says it's such a great thing from a revenue standpoint. But if you go look at her budget, there's not a dime in her budget that addressed from the income that she says we're going to get from marijuana. One. Two, the Second Amendment call is one that I just absolutely will stand toe-to-toe with anyone. I do not believe that the actions of a few criminals should ever, ever take the rights of law-abiding citizens away, and that's exactly what this red flag bill calls for. I I had a, just by chance, just a few minutes ago, I got a note from Tony Mace, and he's wanting to talk about exactly how we can fight those issues. You know, 30 of the 33 sheriffs are adamantly opposed to it, and the governor just won't listen to them. We're visiting with Minority Leader Jim Townsend on the program. He is, again, the the one that holds all the Republicans together in these fights. But in the 60-day session, that was the one that was last year, the odd-numbered years, Mm -hmm. uh, anybody can bring any bill. But in the 30-day session, no one can bring a bill except dealing with the budget 
unless the governor puts it out on a call. In other words, she's put these radical bills, red flag bill, uh, the free college, uh, recreational marijuana. She said we're going to take away time from this important budget process, and, and we've already had a discussion how bad a shape the budget is in, that we're far worse than people who are losing their homes right now today. And so she puts these controversial issues in this 30-day session when we don't have time to talk about it. This is the governor of New Mexico right now. If you disagree with her on uh, some of these issues, feel free to call the Roundhouse. The phone number for our governor's office at the Roundhouse in Santa Fe is 505-476-2200, Jim, what are we doing from the Republican side? Any bills that got placed on the call or anything that we can do for legislation from our side? Well, we continue to try to work and, and cross over where we can to meet the issues. What our caucus will stand for, and we have a number of bills, you know, we want to keep New Mexico safe. We think these catch-and-release programs that have been going on in Santa Fe or in Albuquerque have to stop. We have to really shore up our crime efforts in New Mexico. Jobs, I think, cures almost all of our ills. I said the other day on uh, one of the broadcasts that, you know, the Republicans were not worried about your minimum wage. We were much more concerned about your maximum potential to flourish and to feed your family and provide for them in a way that you are proud of. No one wants to raise a family on the minimum wage scale. And we have to get overthinking about just how much it takes to survive and start thinking about how much can we do? I mean, how many jobs can we create? You know, currently we have millennials leaving the state at a high rate. We have seniors, too many seniors that are living in poverty. And we've got to address those issues. And those will be done more responsibly when we sit down and talk through those budget issues, address those real crime issues, and not get sidetracked on all of these uh, controversial issues that shouldn't be even been begin the 30-day session. Yeah, so if I'm hearing it properly, we're going to address the crime, which I think New Mexicans feel is the absolutely most important thing, and that catch-and-release policy that is causing the criminals to be back on our streets. Republicans are going to take the lead and see what we can do to stop that. Secondly, stop exporting our young people. If we let the younger generation leave the state, then we have nothing in the future to build on and so find good jobs to where millennials will choose to live here and finally raise the pay of working families and the minimum wage is not the way to do that the way to do it is to create enough jobs to where the demand for the labor drives up the prices and then it goes above minimum wage you know the people talk all the time about minimum wage and it's not a living wage it was never designed to be that way uh, always in the past, poverty was was uh, transitory. You had people in poverty today, but they'd get a job. They'd work their way into higher-paying jobs. They'd uh, finally get into some sort of mid-level management job. And that's the way that success is built. This idea that we're going to keep everybody at minimum wage and we've got to keep jacking that up says that we're going to absolutely give away the ability to create more jobs and drive the pay up through more jobs and more competition for our labor. That's the way the free market is supposed to work. 
work. It is the socialist structure which says that the people at the bottom are always going to be on the bottom and we have to protect them with minimum wage jobs. I think most people understand they want to get their way off of minimum wage jobs. It doesn't matter what minimum wage is. They want to work hard enough to earn their own success and to make their own way to have their level of achievement match their capabilities. I think most people in the state of New Mexico and across the country are with you, Jim. It's uh, just been great visiting. Again, we've been talking to New Mexico House of Representatives Minority Leader Jim Townsend on the phone today. Jim, thanks for calling in. The session kicked off on Tuesday of this week, and uh, you guys are there in the battle lines right now. Thanks for standing for us and defending our constitutional rights on those red flag bills. Thanks for uh, defending us on the budget and trying to keep some semblance of a reasonable budget in place. And thanks also for looking out for the interest of your average working man and woman. God bless you and uh, good luck in the rest of the session. You bet, Steve. Thank you very much for your leadership. That was Steve Pierce, chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, speaking with Representative Jim Townsend from Artesia. Coming up in our next segment, we'll be talking about the Senate impeachment trial that started earlier this week on Inside New Mexico. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. As we all know, the impeachment trial in the Senate started on Tuesday, and I'm still curious why Nancy Pelosi wants the Senate to call witnesses. They had their turn to call all the witnesses they wanted in the House. Now it sounds like she wants to conduct the Senate trial, too. Well, it's not her decision, and uh, even Democrats in the Senate are going to take deep issue with someone from the House trying to run their job for them. That's pretty sacred ground. But I believe that in the Senate, that the sham, that uh, impeachment that they push forward in the House of Representatives is going to be revealed. The president named his managers who are going to act as prosecutors. Of course, Attorney Ken Starr, he was the independent counsel who headed the investigation that led to former President Clinton's impeachment. Also, Alan Dershowitz, uh, he's Democrat. I think he may have voted for Clinton, but he is saying that this is a constitutional threat that's involved. He's going to be on Trump's legal team. Jay Sekulow, people know him from defending the right of faith-based initiatives. And then Jay Sekulow is from Judicial Watch, and people know him from defending religious liberties and the constitutional liberties. His son is going to be one of the lead prosecutors. I'm unfamiliar with him at all. But I'm familiar with the others. But there's still confusion exactly who the, the Democrats do want to testify. That's always a sign that there's a weak defense. You know, the Democrats trotted out to the national media, this guy from the Ukraine, and he was supposed to be a, a 
this important witness, and he is now going to be the thing that sinks the Trump ship. And the truth is that even the, the liberal media is calling him very unreliable. They, that didn't take long for their team to start squirming, thinking about him under cross-examination. So it was interesting. Fox News had the story on the president's legal team on Saturday. They issued what's called a full-throttle defense to the articles of impeachment, refuting the substance and the process of the charges while accusing House Democrats of engaging in, quote, a dangerous attack, quote, end quote, on the right of the American people to freely choose a president. And that's what many people have said this whole impeachment scam is, that it is trying to overturn the results of the 2016 election. They are trying to do it right before the 2020 election because they think they can't beat the president at the ballot box. The only way to do it, and Al Green of Texas said it, is if we don't impeach him, he's going to win re-election. And Mr. Speaker, the solution can be an election in 2020 or it can be impeachment tomorrow. Al Sharpton said that he watched the Democrat debate and didn't see anybody on the stage that could beat the president. So now then Democrats are seeing the field they've cast for themselves. So we have that as that impeachment begins. And one kind of final note on this, Derek, is that right when uh, the Iowa caucuses are coming up in just now a week and a half, two weeks, and uh, you've got two or three senators who are still in the presidential run, they've got to be on the floor of the Senate listening. They can't make comment. They have to sit there every minute while it's going on, and so they're not going to be able to issue comments. They're not going to be able to debate. They're not going to be able to show up at the Iowa caucuses or the New Hampshire ones. And so Bernie Sanders is going to be AWOL uh, during the time of this impeachment. So as it drags on, and uh, Chuck Schumer, I'm sure, is going to be getting an earful from Elizabeth Warren and from Senator Klobuchar and from Senator Sanders that, hey, you've got us uh, pinned up here for this ridiculous mess. So that's what I'm seeing on this whole impeachment hoax as it moved over to the Senate this week. And we're seeing some of the rules now being voted on by the senators. It's going to be theater at its greatest. Political theater is better than any other theater. I still don't understand, again, what they're going to point out in this trial, what he did that's impeachable. He may have said, do me a favor, but Ukraine got their money. They didn't investigate Biden or Burisma. And there is a treaty. We're supposed to look into corruption in Ukraine. So I still don't see what the president did that would be an impeachable offense. And I guess that's what Dershowitz is referring to. You're exactly right, Derek. If there was an impeachable offense, it would have been in the articles of impeachment. These vague charges of obstructing Congress, he's just exercising his constitutional right. The way that the House should have gone about that is to go to the courts and see if the president is constitutionally correct or if the House was constitutionally correct, saying they want to seize documents. Uh, so that would have been very easy. In other news, while this scam is continuing, uh, President Trump just continues to rack up successes. Uh, you had uh, the Senate say they were not going to vote on USMCA. Of course, that's the big trade deal between Mexico, Canada, and the U.S., and uh, they said they weren't going to do it until after the impeachment. 
Well, they suddenly pulled the plug and uh, passed that deal. So while the impeachment was moving over there and uh, Nancy Pelosi was signing the articles of impeachment, Trump was signing this trade deal that was one of the huge wins of his, his entire presidency. It's going to bring more jobs back to the U.S. It's going to put our trade on a sounder relationship between those two countries. And it also fulfills a campaign promise that the president made. He's going to sign that into law sometime this week when he gets it on his desk from the Senate. The White House statement with regard to that was, quote, the USMCA, which the president successfully negotiated over a year ago, rebalances trade between the three countries and will lead to significant economic and job growth in the United States. That's what he campaigned on and the reason that we're going to elect President Trump into Mexico and turn to Mexico red is that he's made promises and he's keeping them. While that was going on, phase one of the China trade deal was signed there in the Oval Office. You can't get any bigger contrast between the parties. The Democrats have got a weak to non-existent case on impeachment. They're going to spend time on it in the Senate because the Democrats have told the public, well, if they don't do it, it'll be collusion with the president. They're going to keep making charges. So now the Senate is going to go ahead and hear the case and carried out. There won't be any quick dismissal. But while they're doing that, the president is out getting trade deals. One of the big things for New Mexico is that $50 billion worth of uh, agriculture goods are now going to go to China. Those are things that are new, and I think that's going to improve the position of New Mexico agriculture products. We send a lot of pecans. I think we send different dairy products there. And so when the president gets us signed, it again is going to improve American jobs, not send our jobs overseas like past iterations of trade deals have worked with, with China or Mexico or Canada. So this president continues to perform at an amazing pace while he's under tremendous pressure from the Democrats who just want to overturn the 2016 election. Did you see where both of our senators from New Mexico voted for They speak out of both sides of the mouth. They say that the president doesn't know what he's doing. They really are among the chief prosecutors when it comes to the idea of saying that uh, President Trump is guilty of something and needs to be removed from office. And then they have to sign this USMCA deal. So you know that's got to be sticking in their craw to give the president such a big win. You know, uh, Heinrich's press release admitted that the USMCA, although he didn't agree with everything that was in it, is still better than NAFTA, which is what the president has been saying all along. Those are good things to hear from a senator who rarely says anything uh, positive about this president. President Trump may be the first president to be impeached and then reelected in the next cycle. I know it's a, it's an amazing circumstance uh, that we have in front of us, but uh, the president is very popular because people are looking at their paychecks. They're seeing them increase. They've already tuned this impeachment out. They just know it's some sort of inside baseball in D.C., and they think the president should be reelected, and I think that it's going to be a stunning win for him when he wins New Mexico. Well, Steve, for folks that are listening to us, maybe for the first time on all the different radio stations we're on now, and they're liking what the Republican Party is doing in New Mexico and want to get involved, how would they do that? You can follow the New Mexico GOP on our Twitter account, our Facebook page, uh, Instagram. They all are at New Mexico GOP. Then uh, you can take a look on our webpage. It's newly redesigned, gopnm.org. You can 
tune in to all of these podcasts. You can uh, use Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. Please share these podcasts with your contacts. Spread the word about the weekly broadcast and the important issues that are taking place here in New Mexico and around the world. We bring a special insight to it. Serving in Congress for 14 years, I know kind of the inside track on many of the stories. If you want to get involved, you can call us at the State Party Headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. Derek, appreciate you putting together a great show for today. We'll look forward to talking with you again next week on Inside New Mexico. 